0: Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber. And today we're looking at the first 15 years of the DREAM Act, legislation to provide undocumented immigrants who arrived in the US as children a path toward legal status through education or the military. Our guest today is Angela Maria Kelly, the executive director at the Center for American Progress Action Fund, and the senior vice president at the Center for American Progress. Welcome very much to the EdCast. Thank you so much for having me. So Angela, you are a well-known authority on the policy and politics of immigration. I imagine many of our listeners are, are not that and unfamiliar with what the DREAM Act actually is. So just uh, as a sort of brief primer, some of the origins of the DREAM Act and its early journey.
1: Sure. The DREAM Act was uh, introduced in August of 2001 by Dick Durbin, was still a senator from Illinois. Um, and he was inspired to introduce this legislation because of a constituent, uh, a young woman, Teresa Lee, who graduated from high school with extraordinary grades and with extraordinary talent. She got into Juilliard, where she played the piano. She wanted to, but she was undocumented, and so there was no way for her to be able to to go to go there. Um, and uh, his her mother reached out to the senator and said, "Can you help?" And so the Dream Act was born um, out of Teresa's stories and many stories like hers of young people um, who were brought to this country. She was brought here when she was two years old um, by their parents who don't have legal status, but are as American as apple pie, um, but yet
0: can't go on with their lives. So, so to me, that strikes me as uh, something that is needed. It's something that is important. Yet, um, it. The journey of the Dream Act wasn't necessarily the the way we, many people wanted it to be. If I say that diplomatically, sure. Here we yeah. are, 15 years later, uh, after that initiation. How how did the journey continue?
1: Yeah. So here, yeah, you've got a kind of common sense reform measure um, that has, in fact, been supported in the past by Democrats and Republicans, but yet it doesn't seem to be able to get past by both chambers, unfortunately. So there have been efforts. The DREAM Act has been on the Senate floor two times, the House floor once. Um, but it has never been able to get the sufficient number of votes, particularly in the Senate, where you actually need 60 so that you can shut off debate. Um, when it has been on the Senate floor, it's always gotten above 50. So a majority of senators, not, and always including some Republicans, have supported it. But because of the rules of the Senate, it doesn't go forward. Um, so after years of that kind of going back and forth and the effort to move the DREAM Act forward, and a real a real maturation of a movement, of young people who grew up in this country and who reached a point in their young lives where they said, "Um, I've got nothing to lose. So I'm going to come out and admit that I'm undocumented and I am going to fight for relief for myself and for my friends and for my family. Um, And so you now have an extraordinarily robust youth-led movement of dreamers and everybody knows what the dream act is and who dreamers are Um, so we have become i think more than just a you know kind of a common word in our lexicon but also really a kind of a sense of um, the sort of justice that's long overdue to these young folks the president um saw that. He saw that Congress was not going to pass legislation. So President Obama, in June of 2012, um, announced an executive action uh, that he calls DACA, and DACA stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Um, And what DACA does is it says that if you would have qualified for the DREAM Act, right, if you got to the US as of a certain date, if you are um, under a certain age of 15, um, if you're not yet over 30 um, and you have kept your nose clean and you don't have a criminal record, um, if you can come forward and meet that criteria and prove it, we will give you work authorization in two-year increments And we'll give you basically a reprieve from any deportation. The program has been a massive success. Um, Nearly 750,000 young people have come forward and applied, and we have seen an increase in their wages, an increase in their participation in society, um, driving legally now, buying cars, um, and uh, able to get, get further in their education. Um, So it is really exhibit A of what is a bigger topic of comprehensive immigration reform generally and the benefits that accrue to all of us when we have people able to maximize
0: and reach their potential. I think for our education listeners, it's nice for them to hear that Part of comprehensive immigration reform is this commitment to education. Uh, a little bit about your own personal role and experience in how this maturation process, how this grassroots movement, movement has grown as a, as a policy advisor uh, throughout all your various uh, sort of responsibilities over these past 15 years. Yeah,
1: I mean, what, I, what I've seen is, you know, and look, I'm, I am what many people consider that inside the beltway you know, Washington policy lobbyist type, right? Um, I am not a dreamer, um, and my parents are immigrants, but um, but we were lucky enough that they they came with status, um, and I was born in this country. Um, and for many years, the immigration reform movement um, kind of did okay with just an inside Washington game. Um, but was never really able to gain the kind of power and traction that it has now. And what I attribute to an, an increased power, an increase in state tuition equity bills, for example, or the ability for people to drive legally, whether they're documented or not in so many states, is because of the dreamers. And they took on um, they took on a no holds barred. like they, showed a courage and a creativity that, that we could have never done as lawyers and lobbyists. So just to give you a snapshot, in, in 2009, after the DREAM Act had already been on the floor and had failed and was already you know six years old or no, eight years old, um, organizations started being created. So United We Dream, which is a robust organization of dreamers, was born, the Immigrant Youth League, was founded. And dreamers took these extraordinary measures. A handful of dreamers, and they called it the Trail of Dreams, walked from Miami to Washington, D.C., from January 2010 till April 2010. They began doing sit-ins in senators' offices. They began doing hunger strikes. They got arrested because they felt like they had nothing to lose and everything to gain. So what I've seen and what I've learned is that um, there is no voice that you, know, you can be loud enough or educated enough or powerful enough um, that can get you to the finish line. It has to be an authentic voice of the people who,
0: whose lives are at stake. So today we're looking at the, the past fifteen years. I mean, what what is your prognostication of the of the future? I mean, it, it seems like with DACA there's a sort of maybe a band-aid approach or, or something that it, you know, with a new administration coming on, changing sentiments. What what is what do you think is going to happen with the dream with dreamers and, and this movement as the years progress?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, the movement has grown and when dreamers first started coming out in large numbers their parents were freaking out and saying no, you know, I mean, they wanted to protect their children and said, what are you, you know, what are you doing? I can't stop you from being deported if, if you come out. And now you have robust advocacy by Dreamer parents, right, so you've got like organizations of Dreamer moms um, that are standing side by side with their kids advocating. So as we're winding down the Obama administration, where we have seen uh, a real effort to try to protect as many people as possible, um, that's been the good news. But the bad news is that we still haven't gotten legislation passed because Congress is, um, is so gridlocked. And the efforts that the president made more recently to try to expand DACA and to protect the uh, parents of US-born children where those parents are undocumented, those efforts have been stopped in the courts. Um, A new administration will come in in January. Um, We have two very different visions of what to do with this population. If um, Secretary Clinton becomes president, she has made it very clear that this is one of her top priorities. And I believe her, but I also know from civics that she can't pass a law. She's got to have Congress's cooperation. So it will be, um, I think, a a real test of the new Congress to see whether they can get past what has been an absolutely painful election season and what has been a prolonged, bitter um, paralysis, and if they can actually move legislation. I, I think that there is a growing awareness that this is a population that's not going to leave, right? The dreamers, I mean, their parents, for example, the average undocumented person has been here for 13 and a half years. If they have a US born child, they've been here for 15 years. So these are not folks, dreamers nor their parents, who as Donald Trump might like to send them home because they are home. So I think as we've seen states adopt more positive measures to embrace the undocumented population generally, DREAMers specifically, I think eventually federal lawmakers will learn from local officials and eventually will get legislation passed.
0: If people who are listening to this podcast want to help, want to start on that local level and have it uh, bubble up to the federal level. What what can they do? You mentioned a couple organizations, but is there is there a place to go? Is there a call to action they can take?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it. I would absolutely go to United We Dream's website, um, and UWD. And I don't have the exact uh, address, but that's why God made Google. Um, and they they give all kinds of advice on ways that you can plug in. And different states are in different levels of. You know engagement, right? What's happening in Wyoming is not as robust as what's happening in California. Um, But there are plenty of folks I know in Wyoming who'd want to help, and so we would welcome that.
0: Angela Maria Kelly, Executive Director of the Center for American Progress Action Fund. Uh, Thanks for being on the EdCast and thanks for all the work that you do. Thank you. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.